Hey, this is Caleb Clay, Associate Pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. So Philippians 4, we'll look at a passage that is probably familiar to most of us. Um, But in our world today and in, in today's culture, it seems that there are heightened levels or at least a heightened focus on anxiety. And it seems that in today's day and age, more than ever, we hear of people battling depression, anxiety, you know, even as far as, as mental illnesses. Um, anxiety overcomes people. It, it attacks vigorously. It, it, it attacks ferociously when, when, when it happens to people. And, and now, especially in, in, in my line of work, so to speak, this isn't just work. This isn't uh, an occupation. This is a calling. But pastors and ministers succumbing to and, and falling to anxiety and, and depression um, struggles internally that, that they don't talk about. And, and I hear a lot of what people are saying and I hear a lot of what, what people suggest to combat it, get community, get around other people. That's good. Get around people that will build you up. That's important. Talk to somebody. Open up, right? Let those things out, things that that you're hiding within, things that you're holding on to. You know, share that with somebody. Um, We we hear uh, about taking breaks and relaxing. I I, I know uh, of ministers that will take uh, sabbaticals, sometimes up to three months or even six months, half a year. I don't know any other line of, of work that you could take off half a year and, and still remain in that job. Anybody plan on taking six months off of work? Uh, I mean, that's, that's 50% of your year right there. Um, <laughs> he said it wouldn't be there when it got bad. There's people lining up for Van's job. I know that. Amen. Uh, We've got all these ideas and got all these answers, uh, you know, even down to medication. There's, there's medicines uh, that, that we can take that will help us regulate our thinking and help us regulate our bodies and regulate uh, things that are out of whack that, that cause us to, to do certain things. But the, the question that I ask is why now? That's the question that I ask. Why today uh, is, does it seem that this issue of anxiety and, and, and worry and even depression uh, seem to be at such the forefront in today's lives, in today's world. Why today? The first thing I want to address is the perspective of it. We'll get in the word here in a minute. I'm, I'm helping us kind of lay a cultural foundation, if you will, and then we'll find out what the word says. How many wants to know what the word says? I want to know what the word says. And so first off is perspective. And, and I think that the media uh, and those with a voice have discovered a kingdom concept. 
that whatever you focus on gets bigger. Doesn't mean it is bigger. I could put a magnifying glass on an ant and it'll be bigger through the lens. And we have lenses that we all look through. We have lenses, TV screens, computers. We have lenses that tell us what to think about something. You know, we don't ever get to come to our own conclusion. We come to someone else's conclusion. We come to Facebook's conclusion. We come to Instagram's conclusion. And, and, and through this lens, uh, you, you, can, you can distort anything on the other side of it. I mean, you just talk naturally about a, a photograph. I mean, we're going to post the best-looking photo. But there were 45 horrible pictures that got you to that photo. Let's project that. I mean, y'all have heard my stories about the photo. I don't know what it is about our family, and we've, we've gotten better. Camden has gotten better. I say we. It's all Camden. It's not our fault. We take great pictures. Camden, I remember, uh, I think it was his first birthday, or no, first Christmas, first Christmas. And we went over to Brent and Lisa's house, and she was going to do a little Christmas photo shoot, fun-loving Christmas photo shoot. It's 87 degrees out, but you can't put them in a T-shirt. It's Christmas. So you got to put them in a, in a, a sweatshirt, a sweater. You got to layer them up, man. It's got to look like Christmas. So it's 87 degrees and he's in a red and white striped sweater. And then we take this little specimen and we put him in a little kitty rocking chair and put like all this, he's one year, not even one yet. He's not even one. He turns one in January. So he's, you know, 11 months old, and, and we are putting him through this such horrible torture of, of taking a Christmas photo, and, and I've got all the bad ones. I, sh- I should have brought him today. I got all the ones where he's screaming his head off, crying, tears running everywhere, but of course, we, we managed to get one. Just keep shooting, Lisa. Just keep clicking it. We're going to get one in here. Come on, Camden. Come on. You, come on. Camden, you better, you better, you better smile. You understand? I mean, you're just going. You're, you're all emotions from, come on, you can do this too. I'm going to take you out. <laughs> you can cry now. Sit in the rocking chair. I'll tear you up. You can't sit down anymore, right? You know, all these different things. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm going to stand up here all by myself like I'm the only parent. Amen. Okay. And, and so we, we have these projections of things, but is that really the thing? Is, is it really that way? Is that really the issue? And so what happens is we end up living lives not based on reality, but, but based on perceptions. And, and perception versus reality is very dangerous. Perception, living a life based on perception will put you in a position you'll always be chasing and never catch up. You'll never catch up to the photo that they took that took them 47 tries to get it. You'll never catch up to when people only share victories but never the, the, the successes that got them there. And when we hand out participation trophies, the just showing up, you get rewarded. Just showing, just being there. 
regardless of the results and regardless of the pursuit. And, and, and we show the, the lifting of the trophy, but we don't examine the, the training that got the trophy. We want trophies without training. And we want other people's lives rather than our own when we don't realize that they're on the other end of that on their phone, looking through the same lens back at you, saying they wish they had yours. We always, we live this life of wishing that we had whatever we don't have. The young wants to be old and the old wants to be young. And the, 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 the poor wants to be rich, but the rich wishes that they didn't have all the responsibilities that bring them all the money that they have. Wish that they could just get rid of it all and just live a simple life. And so we have these, these perceptions that create false realities, and then we wonder why our mentalities can't keep up to fake living. And our mindsets and our mentalities and our thinking and our focus is what gets compromised. Our, our mentalities suffer at the hand of wrong perceptions. Because you're, you're literally taking on something you were never designed to take on. You're, you're, you're creating a world or pursuing a goal that you were never designed to obtain. And so we hear all these answers. Uh, uh, we have all these ideas of how to correct uh, anxiety issues. And we have all these ideas to, to, to correct the, the mental health of our living, because we know this, we talk about it all the time. You'll never live beyond your thinking. Your thinking produces your living. That's why in Romans chapter 12, Paul addressed us and he said, uh, uh, be renewed where? Uh, in your mind. If you wanna be transformed in your life, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If I want to live differently, I must think differently. Come on, we all know this. But yet we want to circumvent the thinking, but still the produ produce the results of the living. That we don't, we don't any longer take a look at the process that gets you the product. We want the product without the process. We want the end goal without what, takes, what it takes. We want the promised land without the wilderness. We want salvation without a cross. And so I want to bring an answer today that is actually the original answer. You know that? You know the Bible is the original answer that, that has been there the whole time. And, and somehow we've left and we've abandoned and we've walked away in pursuit of another answer, in pursuit uh, of another uh, uh, way to fix something or produce uh, a result that we're looking for. But, but when it says to renew your mind, it means to go back to a former way of thinking, a former way of processing. And I'm telling you right now, God did not design us to live in anxiety. That is the bottom line. God did not design us to live in worry. Depression is not from God. He has nothing to do with it. He has an answer for it. So we need to recognize 
I'm not, I, I don't want to be insensitive this morning to anyone that battles with any of anxiety or depression issues. I understand it's a real thing. Trust me, I've been told a hundred thousand times, this is a real thing. People are really doing, I understand it's a real thing, but I'm going to give you something else that is even more real than the anxiety and the depression that you deal with. I've got an answer. The Bible has an answer. And in Philippians chapter four, and verse six, I'm going to start in the middle and then we're going to kind of, we're going to start with the meat and then we're going to kind of go after the bread on the, on the outside, if that makes any sense. We all know this verse, Philippians four, verse six, be anxious for nothing. Now, let me just tell you that Paul is not writing this book to the Philippian church, the, the church at Philippi. He's not writing this from a mansion with a Bentley sitting outside, a king-sized bed, and servants waiting on him hand and foot. He's not writing this as the pastor of a large church. He's not writing this as the CEO of a business that is a multi-million dollar profit business. He's not writing this uh, uh, as at the, at the height of his ministry and the height of his life. He's writing this from a prison cell. He's writing this from being thrown in jail and being persecuted for the very thing God called him to do. For doing exactly what God said. Anybody ever ended up in a trial because God told you to do something? Come on, we always end up there because we don't do what he said to do. But sometimes you end up in the trial and the challenge comes because you're doing what God told you to do. Because when God tells you to do something, there's somebody else that doesn't want you to do what God just told you to do. And so that one that wants to stop you is going to bring everything against you. But all the pressure and all the challenge and all the struggle that you face is only an indication of how badly you need to do what God told you to do. If he will do, if the enemy will do whatever he can to thwart the plan of God and to stop whatever is inside of you, then that tells me I've got to keep going. If the enemy was not bothering me, if the enemy was leaving me alone and I had everything going for me, I would be concerned. You want something to worry about? You should worry about when there's no pressure. Because that means you're not a threat. Come on. So he says, be anxious for nothing. Paul has everything to be anxious for. But look at his answer. But everything, but in everything, by prayer. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to, I'll just be transparent. I'll go to ministers' conferences, to pastors from other pastors, degrading the value and the importance of prayer. They'll say things like, well, you know, you know, we can't just pray. Anytime you put emphasis away from prayer, expect everything else to fall apart. I understand what they're saying, but, but it's being misread. See, I, something I have to be very careful of up here 
is that when I take a side or I put emphasis on something, there is a perception that you don't always hear what I say the way I say it, the way I'm thinking it. So I have to do a little homework and I've got to be a little more careful because there are things that I can say that you may not grasp or may not fully understand. And so when we have other ministry leaders of of top dog churches, according to natural uh, uh, results, saying that prayer is not really the answer. Oh, I know they didn't say it that way, but that's what they're saying. Because they most likely don't have much of a prayer life themselves. I'm I'm gonna stop right here for a moment because, because prayer may not be the only thing you do, but it ought to be the first thing you do. In fact, we've got an election coming up. And every time this comes around, the church gets knocked for praying. Pray for your leaders and and pray uh, for for the upcoming election and pray for those you're voting. Why is it that that prayer is not of the highest value that it ought to be? Why is it that prayer doesn't carry the same weight today that it used to? I've got all kinds of answers for that one. I, number one is distraction. We're, we're too distracted to sit down and pray. We're, we're, too, we're, we're too busy with other things that accumulate our lives. Today, in today's day and age, we have so much that is counter-cultural to the kingdom and counter that if you are not careful, it will, it will divide you from your very purpose in life. I have people that tell me that they struggle reading the Bible, but yet they can read Facebook and and Instagram. Maybe we need to put it in an Instagram format. Maybe we need to put the verses as a Facebook post with pictures attached to it to get people drunk. What do we need to do to get back to the basics, get back to the elementary principles of reading your Bible and pray every day? We used to sing a song growing up. If you read your Bible and pray every day, you will grow, grow, grow. Healthy things grow. Healthy things. You want to be, you want to grow, you want to multiply, you, you want to, to, to be added to, get healthy. Get healthy. So what gets me healthy? Well, my diet. To begin with, I've got to be in the word of God. And then I've got to have, prayer is not uh, going to God asking for stuff. Can we just go ahead and clarify that? Prayer is how you get the kingdom in the earth. I think it was John Wesley that says, it it seems as if God can do nothing lest man pray. Prayer is the avenue through which God puts his will into the earth. It's a pipeline. And when you pray, you open up the pipeline and God can drop his will into the earth. And if we do not pray, his will does not get accomplished. Of all the things that the disciples could have asked Jesus to learn how to do, Jesus, teach us how to walk on water. That was a cool trick. Jesus, teach us how you make fig trees die. Teach us how you cast out demons. Teach us how you preach like that. Teach us, uh, what what school did you go to? Where did you learn those great communication skills? How are you so articulate? Teach us. And And then the one thing they asked him to teach them to do was teach us how to pray. 
Why? Because they recognized that prayer was the reason why he was able to do everything he did. Prayer brings the power. Many of us are, are, are trying to live out according to God's plan and trying to do what God has called us to do minus prayer. And that's the one thing. I, I mean, you know, I used to hear of ministers, the ministers that I used to follow growing up, they didn't ever talk about having anxiety issues. They talked about how much time they spent in prayer and in the word. I wonder if there's a correlation. I'm being serious this morning. I, yeah, this is not a joke to me because I talk to people that deal with these issues all the time. And the number one thing that is abandoned is the word and the prayer life. I can ask the question, well, what's your, what's your time like in the word? Diminished. What's your time like in prayer? Not really there. And then we want to, but you want a quick fix. You want an answer. You want me to give you a, a blog post. Do you want me to, to suggest a book to you? Or you want me to tell you which doctor to go see or what medication worked for so-and-so? I'm here to tell you that if you start with word and you start with the prayer life, that everything else aligns. And it's not a magic trick. It's not a miracle. It's called being in communion with your father. It's called getting in tune with the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you, that God knew you can't do what he's calling you to do on your own. So he placed his spirit inside of you and everything he's calling you to do, even if it's beyond your capacity, even if it's bigger than you, even if it takes you out of your comfort zone, you can do it and you can thrive while doing it, not die while doing it. God doesn't want to accomplish his, pur his purpose through your life at the expense of you. He doesn't want to do it. He needs you in the earth. That's, that's another thought that comes up. Well, you know, why am I even here? The enemy lies to people. Nobody cares about you. Nobody needs you here. You know, Jesus dealt with anxiety. The, the Bible says that in the garden, his soul was very distressed. So much so that he was bleeding drops of blood or sweating drops of blood. It was literally pouring out of his forehead. So distressed. Why? To do and to answer the call that God had for his life. But where did he go? To prayer. And his prayer might've sounded a lot like ours. Look, if there's any way, any other way, but he resorted to your will be done. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what's the result? Verse seven, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have settled for a cheap substitute when it comes to peace. We have settled for quick fixes. We have settled for answers to solutions because we think, we think that peace comes 
by external circumstances. But the Bible tells us that peace is an internal position in the midst of external turmoil. Meaning you can be in the middle of the storm and you could have ended up in the storm because you obey God when he said to go across to the other side and the storm comes and it rips your boat apart and everybody else around you is freaking out, but you can be in the bottom of the boat sleeping. That's peace. If you are waiting for peace, if you're waiting for everything in your life to adjust and to become perfect before you're at, well, well if, if my marriage would just straighten up, I, I could be more at peace in my mind. If, 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 you know, if I had this much money coming in every month, then, then you know, I'd be at peace. If God has to resort to, to, to changing all your external circumstances to get your mind at peace, then you're not really in faith. And you're not really in, you, you, that means you're trusting in the marriage more than you're trusting in God. That means you're trusting in the money more than you're trusting in God. That means you're trusting in the job more than you're trusting in the job. And whatever you put your trust in dictates your level of peace. So God, he's what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. He's constant, he never changes. Which means, that, mean, that means my level of peace doesn't have to change. Come on. That means my level of peace remains consistent regardless of how much money is there, regardless of how he's treating me, regardless of what the job looks like, regardless of if I get the position or not, regardless if I have everything aligning uh, uh, you know, perfectly the way I want to in life, regardless of what place I'm in, I can be at peace in the midst of the storm, peace in the midst of the trial, peace in prison. You know, it's funny that the book of Philippians is, is really, it's, it's termed, it's labeled the happiest book in the Bible. It really is. It really is. And it's interesting that Paul could have the right perspective in writing this book. He's not warning the church about those trying to come, uh, you know, against the word. He, he's, not war he's not warning them like, hey, man, just be careful. Just letting you know that, you know, if you do this, you might end up where I'm at. He's not even going there. He is, he is totally, he, he is getting them to pursue and to press on, to possibly to end up where he's at. But he says, be anxious for nothing. Go on to verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate means to think on, to chew on, to dwell on. So now he gets to the next point. So far, I'm recognizing that I've got to be in the word and I've got to be in prayer. I've got to develop my communion with the Father. Secondly, I've got to recognize uh, that that peace is not determined or based on my external circumstances or situations. I can't wait for all that to change before I get in peace. Now, he's telling us that where you put your focus is where you build your faith. 
Now he's telling me that what I meditate on, what I focus on, what I think on determines the product, not of my life, but of my heart. If I want to be at peace, if I want to get rid of anxiety and worry and and distress, then I've got to change what I'm thinking on. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Most of us mess up right there. You know, you end up believing a lie when that's all you focus on. It's amazing the lies that we accept as truth. Let me just tell you something. It's all fake news. All of it. All of it. You're waiting for someone to come out, especially in media, that's gonna, we're just gonna tell it exactly how it is. We're not gonna add anything to it. We're not gonna take, we're not gonna try to, to, to you know, build this uh, perception up so that we can get people to go in a certain direction. You know, we're gonna do, we're, that's all we're, they would fail today. They wouldn't make it. And it's amazing when you're surrounded by lies how much you begin to believe them. Whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. You know, you have to be intentional about giving your attention to things that are of a good report when you're always getting bad reports. But let me tell you something. Every bad report has a good report. It's just your choice where you put your focus. It's your choice which one you look at. It's which one gives, get, that gets your attention that determines where your level of peace is. If you constantly look at the bad report, you're gonna have a low level of peace. If you start giving attention to the good report, then you're gonna raise your level of peace in your life. Whatever things are a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So my thinking, my thinking can actually determine and dictate the level of peace that I operate and live with. And that's, that, we just said it earlier, that's where most people miss it. it there, there is a, a weird tension that when you're in trouble or that you're in a trial, that that's really all you want to look at. We have this weird thing on the inside of us that we want to highlight what's bad and make it even worse than what it really is. You know, for a lot of us, life isn't really as bad as we make it out to be. Not being insensitive, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, you don't know my situation, I don't. But I can tell you right now, we are really good. We do an awesome job as human beings at making things bigger than they really are. Because God wants us to make him bigger than the problem is. And so if you would exercise the same effort that you do in making the problem so big and making the marriage so horrible and making the financial situation so terrible, if you would choose that effort on God and make him bigger and make him stronger and make him greater, then he would begin to overcome in your life. I mean, you're already doing it. It's amazing. It's not a lack of faith. It's just putting faith in the wrong place. I see, when I see people talking about how horrible, I mean, I have had people predict the future to me. (laughs) Prophesy right now. You are a prophet. You have a gift of prophecy. 
You're prophesying that, that your marriage is going to fall apart. You're prophesying that you're going to end up here. You're prophesying that this isn't going to work out. You know, my kids are never, man, I didn't realize that you had that much insight in life. But since you have so much faith and since you can believe so much about the future for things that have not even yet happened, use that over on God and start talking about what's, man, my finances are going to turn around. I mean, this time next year, I'm going to be making money. This time next year, I'm going to be blessing other people. They don't even have to be blessing me anymore. By this time next year, my business is going to be up to here. I mean, you're using the effort. You're already using the strength and, the, and, and to, to conjure up these images and these ideas and these thoughts. Go ahead and turn it around for good. Because what I think on can produce what I live. That's what he says. Meditate on these things. Verse 9, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. We did that too fast. Let's back up. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw. You learned, you received, you heard, and you saw in me. And this is just the thought. I wonder if we could ever be the me in that verse. I want to live my life to such a level that I could look to someone else and say, the things that I'm doing, you do it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, put, I put the word of God in practice and application in my life, and this is what I got. You can do it too. That someone else doesn't have to be the example of great living, I can be. Not because of me, because of God working in me and his spirit upon me. But, but Paul is saying, just look at me. You don't have to go any further than looking at me and the things that you have learned and the things, but, but Paul, you're in jail. I mean, what, 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 did you, what did you really get? But it's not about your position externally. It's about your position internally. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Peace comes in the doing, not in the sitting. We have this idea that peace is a relaxing and that peace is a sitting back doing. No, peace is active. Peace is working. Peace is evident. Peace is, 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 is something that, that is being given attention to. We act like peace happens on accident. But look what he says. And the God of peace will be with you. He doesn't say the God of peace will take care of all the challenges. Doesn't say, and all your problems will go away. He says, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil, for I am with you. Notice he doesn't change your course and say, okay, uh, now that you believe in me, we're not gonna go through all that bad stuff. I'm gonna take you on the road that has roses and candy. No, he says, we're, we're still going that way. That's the trajectory I need you on and, and your purpose. Usually the, the, the road to, to a lack of purpose is roses. But the road to get to where God has you is lined with all kinds of stuff. But he says, the stuff doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm with you. He says, and the peace of God, the God of peace, will be with you. See, and, and man, that was good. I did that on accident, but that was good. 
I said, peace of God. But watch this. He says, the God of peace. Do you just want the peace of God or do you want God that brings peace? See, what are we really going after? Oh, God, just give me some peace. He said, what about me? Don't you want any of me? If you get me, you get peace and you get joy and you get love. Yeah, it doesn't say, and the peace of God will be with you. It says the God of peace. And when you get God, you get all the peace. I don't want just the peace of God. I want all of God. Now look what he goes on to say. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need. Watch this. From a jail cell, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I, you know, I could really do a whole series. I could talk all month about peace and contentment and joy. He says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. But watch this, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, God can't do anything through you until you can do it through him. Did you get that? God has a work and a purpose and a plan he wants to do through you. But what happens is, is we receive the purpose and the plan of God and say, okay, you want to do this through me, but then we try to do it through ourselves. No, the work and the plan has to be executed and performed through Christ. And he says, I can do all things, whether I'm abased, whether I abound, whether I've got much, whether I have little, whether I'm full, whether I'm empty. The, 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 the situation doesn't determine my internal level of peace. So contentment, where are we at with that? I wonder if our access to seeing way more about other people than we need to see has created an internal discontent that now produces anxiety, worry, and depression. I, I, I use social media, and, and this is not a social media message, and this is not, uh, you know, go home and delete Facebook message. You, you, you be sensitive. Uh, anything can be a tool, and anything can be a trap. That's up to the user. That's called user error. But I can tell you right now that there are some things that we have access to, and there are some things that are projected that we were never designed to carry. We were never designed to operate that way. We were never designed to compare our behind the scenes with someone else's highlight reel. Never. 
never designed to, to compare what my parenting looks like at home behind closed doors to what someone else dresses up and projects with, with a, with a high-def video camera and, and, a, and a high-quality uh, photo uh, that has been edited, photoshopped, and redone and remade just to create. Uh, and, and this is the thing, too. I, I have even seen some people try to create false problems. Yeah. I saw a mom on Instagram that, that had a picture of her with this big old basket of laundry and her hair was like all crazy and her kid was like pulling on her leg or something. And I'm thinking, okay, I understand what you're trying to do. I understand what you're trying to say, but, but somebody else is in your house taking that photo. I mean, have we ever stopped to think about that? There's another person, which means it's a setup. It's not real. Hey, everything's crazy at my house right now. Come over with your high quality camera and take a picture of me so I can put it on Instagram so people know how bad it really is at my house. No, that doesn't work. You called her over and you said, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, I'm, you know, parents and, and moms, they need to see me and how it really is and, how, you know, the struggle is real. And so we gotta see, you know, all the, all the problems that I do with so those Cheerios everywhere. And I got this big old basket of laundry and I don't even have time to take care of myself this morning. And my kid's going crazy whining at me. And so we're gonna, we're gonna create this image. It's an image, it's an image. That's all it is. And someone else's reality isn't your reality anyways. I want to I wanna see us free. But yet we trap ourselves in things that, that, that keep us in slavery. Bondage. Bondage to what other people think. Bondage to validation, bondage to images that you can never be in, in your best years. Bondage to live a life that's not even yours. Worship team, if you come. So with that, Is there a heightened level of anxiety? First off, I don't really think it's as bad as people say. I think there's projections. I think there's things that compromise the airwaves and, and compromise the images that we see. Just a couple months ago, a, a pastor out in California, young pastor, probably my age, a wife and three kids, three boys, took his own life, left behind a church, left behind a wife, left behind three boys. Earlier this year, he was asked by his board to go on a sabbatical, took the summer off or three months or whatever it was, came back and two messages into preaching, preaching a series on anxiety, takes his life. 
I'm not diminishing the burdens of life and I'm not diminishing the challenges that we all face. But we do have to be careful at what we call real life. The Bible tells me that the things that I see are temporary and the things that are unseen are eternal. What that tells me is that there is a reality that's even different than our reality. That even what I do currently see isn't really how it is. That there's a kingdom and that there is a a realm that can change what I see. You know, a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression is derived from being in a position feeling like nothing will change. Feeling like you're stuck. Right? Because if things could change, I would have nothing to worry about. I mean, if my marriage would change, I don't need to worry. If I made more money, I don't need to be anxious every two weeks when we run out. If I had a different job, then I wouldn't be anxious about whether or not this job's gonna be here a year from now. But the change that really needs to happen, that we're not talking about, is us. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I don't pretend to be one. But I can just simply tell you what the Bible says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication and giving thanks. Being in the Word and having a consistent, continual prayer life will help your anxiety. Being grateful and combating discontentment will help your anxiety. Leaning and relying on the Holy Spirit who is the only perfect one that can give you the perfect answer in every single moment and stop waiting for your friend to say the right thing. Stop waiting for the pastor to say the right thing. Stop waiting for, for, for the, to, to see the right thing. I mean, you know, a lot of times our, our peace is relegated to somebody else struggling as bad as me. I just want to know I'm not alone. I just want to know that their life is as bad as mine. And so what happens is, is when we see someone doing good, when we see someone overcoming, we reject it. When that could be the very person that could help you get it right. We need to be able to surround ourselves with people that are smarter than us, that make more money than us, that are doing better than us, because there might be something that they have that you need. There might be something they've figured out that if we put it into practice, it would work for us too. And then you would find out that they are 
just real, just like you. And they have stuff going on just like you. And they have to overcome just like you. They don't live in overcoming because nothing comes against them. They just learn to operate in overcoming. I've heard the word of faith become diminished in churches today. The talk of you can move the mountain, just speak to the mountain. Confession, believing God at his word. Living in victory and living from victory, not for victory. And all that talk has been diminished. You can't even talk faith around some people. Because now you're put in this, in this posture and in this position that you're not even, you, you, well, you just don't even understand reality. You don't even understand life. Now, I'm telling you right now, faith is the reality. What you have not yet obtained is more real than what you already have. And, and I've learned there's some, there's some pastors and there's some individuals, I can't talk that around them. And I just have to be quiet when I have the very answer. It's sad. Stand up with me. Stand up with me. The last weapon is praise. I said it earlier, it's impossible to be anxious when you're worshiping. Now here's the thing, this is what I understand. This is what I understand. In here, it's easy. I get that, trust me. I've been there where you can raise your hands and you can shout at the top of your lungs and you can worship, ball your eyes out and the presence of God is here. But it's about what you do when you go away from here. Now here's the other thing I understand. When you're faced with the struggle or the issue or the the challenge, the last thing you wanna do is praise. I know, it feels better to be angry. It feels better to talk about how horrible it is. Trust me, I've been there. It feels better, It, it, it makes more sense it seems. But if you could reverse that energy. Pastor, I I just, I don't even know where to start. You start with gratitude. You start with not what you're trying to get, but with what you already have. That's why I tell people, flip it around. They're angry about their marriage. Thank God. Angry about your finances? Thank God. No clue how your kids are going to turn around? Thank God. It starts with gratitude. And then praise and worship flows from gratitude. See, if you try to start at praise, then you're trying to force yourself to praise, but you don't know why. But gratitude and thankfulness gives you the why. I wouldn't even be alive 
if it wasn't for you. I wouldn't have anything. What are you grateful for? And a lot of times the problems and the trials, they overshadow the things that you're grateful for. You start with gratitude. You start with, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for giving me life. I thank you for sending your son. <clears throat> you start with the basics. I thank you for the air that I breathe. But then you start doing that enough and you start getting thankful for some real stuff thankful that you didn't leave me and abandon me. Thank you that you removed my sin. Gratitude can help wash away anxiety. Thankfulness can help thwart the plan of the enemy with depression. What gratitude does is it helps you look outward Depression and anxiety force you to look inward. You don't look at anything else around you when you're in anxiety. When you're depressed, the only thing, you become number one. It's all about you. It's all about my issue. It's all about my problem. But when you open up your heart to gratitude, you start becoming thankful for all the outside stuff. You start thinking about people around you. You, you. you start thanking God for the things that are pouring into your life. You start, you start changing your position and changing your perspective. Praise is a weapon. Guys, don't go on Facebook and blast all your stuff. Praise God. Worship God. Open up your mouth. Open up your mouth and talk to Him. Open up your mouth and express. And, and, and I've heard people say, well, you know, sometimes you just got to be real with God. You don't have to be real with God. He knows everything about you. There's nothing that you can disclose to Him. He's like, oh, man, I didn't realize it was so bad. No, gratitude. Some of us feel like we, we feel better about ourselves when we're talking to God about how bad it is, like he doesn't have any clue. I remember just recently, Pastor Crystal has shared about an incident that happened with their son, Isaac. And, and, and I just wrote her and I just told her, you know, she, she mentioned, you know, not feeling strong enough and, and, and you know, the, the struggles and the issues and the challenges that come along with that. And I just told her, I said, the very reason that Isaac is in your family and in your life is an indicator of what God put in you to raise a child like that. That means not just anybody could do that. Not just anybody could, could be faced with those challenges and those struggles and be able to handle it and still pursue. But, but maybe the pressure and the challenge and, and the, the, the struggle is an indicator in your life that something greater is in you than, than what is in the world. That something is greater than what you're even seeing or even currently producing. Maybe it's an indicator that God is working on your behalf.
takes just a change of perspective to change of focus so all across this room just lift your hands lifting your hands is is surrender I surrender my thoughts and I surrender my thinking I, I surrender what I feel like I surrender what it sounds like I surrender uh, uh, my responses and I submit to gratitude and I submit to victory I submit to joy I submit to peace let peace rule and reign in your life let joy overcome in your life Father, we thank you today. All good things come from you. You've blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And so, Father, even in the midst of a struggle, we will not allow anxiety to win. We take control of our thoughts today in Jesus' name. We take control of our minds. We take control of our position. We take control of our perspective. We're no longer without control, but you have given us the ability to control the factors and the parameters that qualify us for peace. We submit to your way. We submit to peace. But Father, we thank you that the God of peace will be with us. The God of peace lives in us. The God of peace is directing and guiding our steps. The God of peace. We will not limit our peace to our external situation. But we surrender our peace. We surrender our peace to you. Father, I pray for every person here in our midst. Every person in this room, this hit home, this, this was right where they're at. Father, I pray that you reveal the peace to them that passes all understanding. I pray that you will renew their strength to be able to combat, to be able to overcome, Father, I thank you that their thought life will change. Their prayer life will change. Their confession will change. Their perspective will change. Anxiety will not rule any longer. We have overcome. And our internal confidence and our internal position is determined by something else. It's not determined by other people not determined by how much money we make. It's not determined by our status. It's determined by your spirit. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they are all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. 
Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.